as much as I don't want to interrupt what seems to be a really good discussion, it's time that we have so many questions to answer tonight that we know we will not finish them. We knew that when we started. So any questions, uh, these are questions that you all submitted in September, and we're going to work through as many as we can, but we plan to have another panel at some point in 2016 to try to get to the ones that we don't get to tonight, and we'll just, we'll just see how far we get tonight. The way that we have planned tonight is that we have four women on the panel, very diverse backgrounds, personally, professionally, every other way. And with each woman, each woman is going to introduce herself. And we've taken some of your questions and we've tried to incorporate that into the introduction. There were many questions about work-life balance. So somewhere they're, they're going to address work-life balance, their version of it. One of the questions that you asked we found really interesting and it was, which uh, woman in the Bible do you identify with or admire? And so probably that will be part of their introduction of themselves and just passing on some uh, a general introduction of who they are and some advice they may have for you. So without further ado, I'm going to ask Linda to introduce herself first. Hello, you all. Linda McIntyre. Um, and I, um, just by introduction of sort of like the basic facts here, I always like to be really upfront about my age. So I'm 66 years old, and um, <laughs> uh, I've always been single. I used to say I've never been married, but one time when I said that, the Lord kind of pricked my heart as if to say, when you say it that way, you're saying I'm not good. And so I don't say it that way anymore. So I've always been single. And I believe, um, just like Janet has on her license plate, Isaiah 54, 5, that the Lord is my husband. And, um, and so um, I, um, I'm a native Atlantan. I've always lived in Atlanta. And I went to school here. I went to graduate school here. And uh, usually what people say after I say that is that you don't have much of a southern accent. And so, um, but I, I have the accent I have. So, um, but I do work at the home office of Chick-fil-A, as does Amy, as does Lindsay, as does Tara back there. And so, eat more chicken, um, <laughs> number one. <laughs> And um, I lead a team at Chick-fil-A that's responsible for selecting and um, contracting with and then uh, performance for all our vendors for all the technology systems at the home office and in our restaurants. So life is full. Um, when um, biblical woman that um, really, I wouldn't say that I'm like, but I so aspire to be like, um, is from Luke 138, and that's when it's Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And that, um, I just have always admired Mary, and um, it really ties in. I would try to say these scriptures, but I'm nervous, so I'm going to read them, if that's okay. And it, I feel like she is such a role model for my life verse that the Lord gave me when I was a very young Christian in my early 20s, um, which is from 1 Peter 3. Um, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with an imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And so I feel like Mary typifies that. And... Um, so when um, when I think about work life balance, I'm going to put the the. Can you all hear me? Um, all right. Well, let me just do this part without the mic. Uh, you think of work and life 
and it's as if they're two, when you say it that way, it's like it's two separate things you're trying to balance. But I think of them as integrated. Um, work is life, and life is definitely work. So I think that, I don't think that's the right question. Um, and I really think a better question comes from why Jesus came, from 2 Corinthians 5.15, which it says, and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for, live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So I think when we ask a question like what, about work-life balance, it's really focusing on myself. But I, I, and I'm saying I'm living for myself and not for others. But I want to die to myself to live. In Luke 9, 23, 24, it says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So I can't live for myself and God at the same time. I can't write my own rules and, and um, be in submission to him. I can't live for my glory and his glory which really sort of takes me to what I call the three Ps. What is my purpose? What are my priorities? And what are the promise? You know, in the Westminster Catechism, it says that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And our only rule for how to do with that is the scriptures. And I take that as my life purpose. And even we're blessed to be at Chick-fil-A, and our, our corporate purpose is to glorify God. So it's a, such a blessing to have that. So when I think about my priorities, um, it's, they're very simple. I, God is first and foremost. I, prior, I try to prioritize my time around him. If I had a spouse, and, uh, but I don't have one, so my family, friends, and colleagues, I would put second. And then my work in ministry, I would put third. And I try to, I, I fail miserably. I ask for, for God to help me change. But I don't separate work and ministry. I know that we're trying to, I think those are really kind of one and the same. So when you have those together, God has given us promises that give us courage in an uncourageous world then to, to live up to both of those things. In the Psalms, he promises he'll always teach us in the way we should go. He will give us the desires of our heart. He will bring it all to pass. He delights in having us find the way. He brings light to our path. And recently, Lord has just led me to every day when I start my day. You know, we all have commitments. We have appointments. But um, from Proverbs 3, I just ask him to direct my paths. He knows what's there. He knows what I should do. And so rather than thinking about work-life balance, what I think is a better question is how do we best live out our purpose and priorities? So that's my introduction of me. Do I have to? Can you hear me if I don't use the microphone? You, you want me to use the microphone? Okay. I'll use the microphone. Okay. <laughs> I know, really. Um, I'm Tennyson Carden, and um, I, um, I'm a full-time mom. I have four children, and um, they range from ages 8 to ages 15, and I'm a full-time pastor's wife. My husband, Zach, is the um, family's pastor here at Church of the Apostles, so um, that role keeps me very busy, not here publicly, but privately at home, um, and I do a variety of things. Um, the only job I get paid 
paid for is um, I direct a small um, Christian ballet program at another church in the area. And that is what gives me energy to be um, the mom that I am and the wife that I am. And so... um, I, the, another thing in my life that gives me energy um, to pour into people is um, I lead a small group Bible study out of my home each week that is made up of some neighborhood ladies who um, originally just came to me with lots of questions about faith and God's word. And so I've had the honor and the privilege of teaching um Bible 101 and Theology 101 um, out of my living room for the last couple of years. Um, I do have two degrees that I use every day, but I've only once had a job um, getting paid for those degrees. (laughs) One of them is in counseling psychology, so um, of course I use that every day in my household Um, (laughs) and in my relationships. And the other one is in theological studies. It's a master's degree. And so, of course, I use that every day um, in in my world and the people around me. Um, both of those things help me um, as I teach ballet to young ladies. Um, I kind of use that as an opportunity, a vehicle to teach them about who they are as God's children. And they are taught that um, not only can they use Um, dance to worship him, but anything that they do in their lives can be something that they use um, to worship God. So um, I don't really think of myself as having a career, um, but um, I have a calling on my life and God has miraculously put all those pieces together um, in my life in a way that Um, On most days, I feel pretty balanced um, because I know that when I start to feel stressed or I start to feel frazzled, that something in my life is out of balance. And sometimes it changes with the seasons and I have to cut back on my work outside the home because I need a little more energy um, for my children or for my husband. And then other times in other seasons, I'm able to pour into other people around me, um, or into, to my quote unquote job, um, as director of the ballet program. Um, so I know, I feel like my life is in balance when, um, I am able to make time for my, um, for my kids and my husband and that I have energy for them. Um, if I am frazzled and running around and skipping my time with the Lord or skipping just time being quiet, um, and then I know that something is out of balance and something has to give. And that's something that I, um, my husband and I have a lot of conversations about. It's an open dialogue and, um, he's very good to support me in that and to know, um, when, I need to refuel, and usually that's by myself, because <laughs> um, I'm kind of one of those those gals that needs her alone time. Um, so he's very good to um, to help me with that. So that that's kind of how I know when my life is in balance, when I have energy um, to be the mom and the wife that I need to be. Um, I'm answering the questions we're supposed to answer a little out of order, but I have a reason for it. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Um, the um, 
the word, the summary that I have for you tonight is um, that um, I really struggled in my 20s to know who I was. And I really grasped um, for pictures or models of women to kind of that I liked or that I could relate to. And I would just kind of pick that one, those one or two people and I'll be like, well, I'll just be like them. And then I don't have to figure out who I am. And so that didn't work out very well. So I spent my twenties very much trying to figure out who I was and God was gracious to meet me in those moments. And then I would say that I spent my early and mid thirties, <laughs> I'm dating myself now, um, learning to be okay with who God called me to be. So I kind of had to figure out who that was. And then I wasn't sure if I liked that or if that was okay. Cause I had my, in my head, like the kind of woman that was the most spiritual woman that could ever exist. And I didn't always fit the, the box that was already in my head. Um, so my thirties have been a time of, um, just really being Coming comfortable in my own skin and finding the freedom to be who God made me to be. And um, I have found great joy in, in the opportunities that he's given me um, to live that out. So that leads me to attempt to answer the question about the biblical woman who I aspire most to be like. Um, that was a, that's a very hard question for me um, just because of some of those things that I just shared with you. And um, a few weeks ago, I was reading in um, one of John Piper's books, and he said, I wrote down a quote, um, that our soul was made to stand in awe of a person and that all heroes are mere shadows of Christ. And that spoke to me so, so much because I think a lot of times I would go to look at these biblical women and I would see these awesome women and I would see all the ways that I fell short of being that woman. And um, I just thought that Piper said it so well that, you know, the purpose of those women um, there in the Bible was to show us lives surrendered to Jesus. And so I would have to say that the, the only aspect of those biblical women that right now I can speak to is that I want to be surrendered to God's purpose for my life, just like each one of them was surrendered. God used each one of those women to accomplish his purpose. Okay, I'm Amy Snellings, and I'm extremely nervous. I'm an introvert, and so I'm here for from a lot of pressure and prayer and all kinds of things here. So, y'all <laughs> so just be patient with me, please. Um, but yeah, my name is Amy. I um, work at Chick-fil-A with Linda. have the pleasure of doing that. And been there, golly, 13 years. Uh, work in IT and have the opportunity to lead a team uh, very, of non-technical people in <laughs> IT, uh, learning and communication, where we train all of our operators and team members and staff members on the technology that we use. So Linda secures the technology. I train on the technology. 
I've been married to my husband, Paul, for 15 years. That's really hard to believe because it's almost half my life. Um, well, it's actually, yeah. Uh, I was talking to my son last night. I have two children. My son, Will, who's 11. My daughter, Lauren, who's nine. And I was just trying to explain to them where I was going to be tomorrow night and how I wasn't going to be at practice. I was going to be here. And um, Will said, well, you should tell me some of the questions that you need to answer. <laughs> And I said, well, okay, you know, and I'm going to talk about work-life balance and maybe talk about my favorite Bible verse. And he said, well, you should give them my life verse. And I didn't even tell you this. And I said, okay, well, you know, is it still the same one? And he said, it's 1 Timothy 4 through 12. Um, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy 4, 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And he said, these girls are probably young, right? Because you're 40. <laughs> and if they asked you to come, that's because you, you've lived a long life and you have a lot to say. <laughs> so after I got over that... <laughs> So, um, like I said, I have a, a son, Will, who's 11, a daughter, Lauren, who's nine, a Great Dane, and a, and a cat that no one likes, but just says he's going to live with us. Um, the biblical woman that I just most um, aspire to be is Elizabeth. And this is, for a long time, um, my middle name is Elizabeth, and I was named for my great aunt, Elizabeth, who was a woman of great patience and faith. And all the ladies in my family. Their middle names are Elizabeth. My Lauren, her, her middle name is Elizabeth too. Um, but I identify with her because, you know, she was an, unable to have children. And when I first got married, um, you know, we got our dogs. That's the first thing you do. And then you're ready to have your children. And all my friends um, were having children. And it just wasn't, it just wasn't happening for us. And, you know, when I think about you know, time in the Bible, if you were unable to bear children, you were considered to be a disgrace. And I think about these women showing great faith and God rewarding them with a child. And, and I just prayed to be patient like Elizabeth. And one of the favorite things I, you know, when I read that is, um, you know, when, when Mary came and it's so funny that you know, Mary, um, when Mary came to visit, to visit Elizabeth, um, how, you know, John, her baby leapt for joy at the sound of Mary's voice. And I just love that. I don't know why, but, um, so that's Elizabeth, um, just on work-life balance, um, priorities, you know, I, I'm so grateful now that my children are older and I can talk to them about priorities because, as a working mom, you have to make choices and it's just knowing what choices to make. And I always felt so guilty about missing things. And, you know, my children would come home and say, you know, Sarah's mom went to the book fair today and so-and-so's mom had lunch with us today. And why can't you do that, mommy? And it was, oh, I just had such a hard time with that. Just a lot of um, guilt you know, and, and blaming myself. But as my children have gotten older, I've really tried to talk with them about, Hey, you know, mommy works full time. And that's a little bit different than some of the other mommies. And if we have a choice, you know, to do this or this, what would you rather have me do? Um, so when it comes to my son, you know, he has, he plays every sport. So he has practice all the time, no matter what day it is. 
And he always says, you know, it's okay if you miss my practice, but I need you there at my game. Don't ever miss my games. And tonight's a practice night. And I'm missing it, but he said, that's okay, because you're still going to be water girl on Saturday, right? (laughs) Yes, I'm water girl. Um, And same for my daughter, you know. So it's it's really about making, you can't make everything work. you got to figure out what is the most important thing. Um, what's the most important thing for your family, for your children, and decide to do that. And then when you're there, be fully engaged in it. Um, I have a tendency to always want to look at my phone. You know, something has to be happening at work that I need to be aware of. No. Um, and my children really called me on that and said, you know, hey, Mommy, when you're here watching my horseback riding lesson, put down your phone. And that was just, that was so tough for me to hear. But I realized, you know, it's really, if I am going to make the choice to be there with them and doing something, I have to really be fully engaged and they need to get my full attention. Um, My other thing that I would just say is kind of a theme for the night is you can't do it by yourself. Um, You need people to surround you and love you and pray for you through the wonderful times in your life and through the very difficult times in your life. And I talked about this last time I was here, but Linda has um, been my mentor, my my friend, my, my sister. And some of the hardest times that I've had, um, she's gotten me through. And you just need someone, maybe a little bit older than you, maybe that's gone through some things to to help you see the light at the end of the tunnel, to pray for you, um, just to help you. So, you know, that, that would be, that would be what I would say tonight is you got to find someone, um, that can do that for you, you know, that you can, um, just have pray for you and love you through it. So those, those would be the things I would say. (laughs) I have to remember that next time. Um, I'm Casey Holly, and I'm divorced, and I have one son. Ladies, he is still not married. <laughs> and he's good looking. <laughs> and I think so. Thank you, Linda. And I let you know the first time I met you why I'm here. And uh, so, you know, I'm just saying. Okay, so the biblical woman that I would like to, that I would most like to be like, is not a woman. She is a girl. And I want you to picture this. Um, There's always war in the Middle East. There's always been war in the Middle East. And so you're an eight or nine-year-old girl, and um, a commander of thousands comes in to your community, and they steal, they pillage, they destroy. They possibly killed your father and brothers. They take you captive. And not only does the commander take you captive, but he makes you a slave to his wife in his household. And so now you're serving the person who has frightened you to death. And then he gets leprosy. Some of us would start to think, well, maybe that's what he deserves, you know. But the wistfulness of the language of the little girl in the story of Naaman, she has this dreamy wish, wishfulness. She goes, if only he would talk to the prophet. She desires his healing so much. I mean, she wants it as much as if he were her brother or something. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. Some days I'm that person. I'm that person occasionally. But I want to be that person 24 hours a day, 
365 days out of the year. And I want to be that way with everyone. And then um, on work-life balance, when I was first asked to be on this panel, I said, I can't do it. I would, I would be a hypocrite. I would be the biggest hypocrite in the world. And so we kind of decided that I could be the what not to do. <laughs> and then, but there are some things that the Lord, I'm just going to tell you, the Lord has given me a few things to keep me in line because I do have these workaholic tendencies. And one of them is a devotional that has haunted me for years. And I hope it haunts you after this. But Oswald Chambers has this devotional where he talks about that a Christian's life should be marked by leisureliness. Now think about when you go through your day. And, and I think about that all the time when I'm like this. you know, And oh, I'm not acting leisurely. I'm not feeling leisurely. But in it... What you can focus on that's very helpful. He talks about, the, he tells you to contemplate the enormous, and that's the word he uses, enormous leisure of God. And that is so powerful. I could spend an hour just thinking about that. And he, that God never gets in a hurry. He never gets frantic. And even Jesus, when he was on the earth, didn't. He went about, he, he had the whole world to save from eternal damnation. And he didn't get in a hurry. And he was very present, as Amy was talking about, with each person. And he didn't mind if it was a small group or a big group, one-on-one -on -one or whatever. So that's one of the things that the Lord has shown me to help me. The other thing I've learned is, and I'm combining wisdom with this because it's kind of a long answer and I'm sorry. But the other thing he has given me was um, every time he asked me to sacrifice for him, it turns out to bless me. And I'm not a prosperity gospel person, but it just seems to work that way most of the time. He will ask me to do something that I think is the biggest sacrifice in the world, that I see nothing in it for me to do it, but okay, Lord, I'll do it for you. And it turns out to bless me. And my very first Bible study that I attended um, right after I became a Christian was an Old Testament Bible study. And the concept of the Sabbath, I was scared to death not to observe the Sabbath after this Bible teacher got finished with me. But you know what? It's biblical, you know, and I really believe that now that you have to, that you should. And it was such a sacrifice for me at the time because I just didn't have the time to give up those extra few hours of work that I got in every Sunday. But I did it because, you know, to me, if you're a Christian, you're either in or you're out. And I was in. So I gave that up. And it was amazing how God expanded my time. And I seemed to actually have more time. I don't know how that works exactly, but it does. And I have a friend who is just, just wonderful. She used to go to this church and she moved back to be near her parents. But her, um, she has even started doing an extra half Sabbath. And her half Sabbaths at her home, she, she usually does this on Saturday, and it's just time with for the Lord and her, and they just talk, and they pray, and they read, and they're just together. They spend extra time together, because sometimes Sunday can even get a little bit hectic. So she says that her life has been changed for the better since she has given the Lord an extra half Sabbath. So that's my next step. I'm not there yet, but I do, that is, that's on my radar for my, my next thing. And the other thing I would encourage you to do, and I do this all the time, is 
look at your calendar. When we used to keep paper calendars, sometimes I would open up my calendar and people would look at it and I thought they were going to cry. They'd go, okay, see, They're just kind of like that. And I forgot to tell you what I do for a living. I teach at Georgia State. Mm. Yeah, I'm out of order now, Dennis. Uh, I teach at Georgia State, and I've written seven business books, and um, I do consulting. So I look at my calendar periodically, and I just trim back. And I want, some of that is very painful. I did this this past, about, I guess about four or five months ago. And I was feeling, uh, I was on my way to work one day, and I always try to think when I'm going to work, I think about to attune myself if I see people who are desperate or lonely or look like they need the Lord. I try to do that. And I was so distracted by what I had to do on my lunch hour, what I had to do after work. And I thought, if an unsaved person came across my path today, I doubt I would even pick up on it. Because that's how distracted I was by busyness. So I knew it was time to review my calendar again. And I looked at it. And it was just very difficult. And the first thing on my list was prayer team, which I adore prayer team, love prayer team. You have to understand, I'm divorced. I live alone. My only child moved to California three years ago. Prayer team, they're my girls. They're my family. They're my sisters. And I've done it for over 10 years and don't want to start crying. But I love, love prayer team. But as I looked, I realized that if prayer team came out, it made room for all those other things. And then the Lord, he has these little humorous moments with me. He revealed to me that I really wasn't very good at a lot of the tasks I was doing in prayer team. A lot of it is administrative. I'm horrible at that. And it was like, what have I been doing for 10 years? This is not even my gift, you know? And so I, I'm, the prayer part I love, you know, but th there's more. When you get prayer requests for at the tees for a couple of hundred women, that just doesn't happen overnight, you know? So there's a lot of administration that goes with it. And I thought, how in the world have we survived this long with me doing this? And so that, that was a very painful pruning of my calendar. But I, I really encourage you periodically to review that calendar and see what needs to come off to make, make room for what God wants. Okay, we're going to go through whatever questions that we can get through. I don't know. Is there time up yet? <laughs> okay. All right. The first question here is for Linda. How do you know when and how... We're going to combine several questions. How do you know when and how to make a change in the direction of your career? How can we know the right direction from the Lord in our lives? Has God ever called you to a drastic career or ministry change? If so, what was it? And how did you know it was God calling you to move? So, <clears throat> now, <laughs> so in my life I've had three big career blocks. Um, so my undergraduate degree and my graduate degree are in teaching. And so I was a middle school math teacher for 10 years. And I was a believer when I transitioned out of that job. But I really wasn't, I wasn't very spiritually mature. And it was very much a walking by flesh type of move. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about that one <laughs> that much because it's nothing encouraging there. Um, my second career block is because I taught math and we're just starting to get into computers, so I had a lot of 
of, of, of computer knowledge, I worked for a computer training company, Executrain. When I started with them, I was the ninth person hired. And when I left there, they had 260 offices worldwide. And so through that time, I um, very much, by God's guidance, had opportunity. I started out as a trainer. I was head of training. Then I was head of training and consulting. Then I was general manager of uh, the Atlanta and the Birmingham offices. Then I was director of, inter- of national training, with um, working with IBM, delivering training all across America. And... Um, uh, so, and this was people developing me. Uh, this was uh, the guy who was president of that company. We just really hit it off, and I didn't know what a cash flow statement was. Those of you that are accountants are, are like probably think, how did that girl do that? But I mean, he was just a great teacher, and, and I've really been blessed by great mentors in my life, and he certainly, David Deutsch was certainly one of those. So um, so here I am, head of national training at Train, and I was working for a guy um, who was head of sales, and I would say that um, I did not appreciate his skill set. Let me just say it like that. <laughs> and the Lord had me there, really, to just work on that for me and, and, and teach me that. But one day he said to me, he goes, Linda, there's something I want to tell you about. I just feel like I can't hold this back from you. And he goes, Chick-fil-A is looking for somebody. He knew people at Chick-fil-A. And he said, Chick-fil-A is looking for somebody to come and work with Dan Kathy. And they've been looking for somebody for a year and a half. And I think you'd be great. Would you be interested? And um, so I'm sitting in the chair in his office with a person that I really don't have a good rapport with. And Nehemiah chapter 2 flashed into my mind. And when Nehemiah was before the king, and the king asked him why he was sad, and and the very simple sentence, and I prayed to the God of heaven. Because it was such a step of faith for me at that point. If I say I'm interested and Chick-fil-A doesn't hire me, does that mean I'll lose my job here? And so I I can see that room. I see his face in front of me. It was... So it was sometimes just very dramatic things happen like that. Scripture comes to your mind. And so I would say scripture is God will speak to you out of your out of his word. And so um, I did tell Mike, I think I'm interested. And um, so in a period of a month, now anybody that works at Chick-fil-A knows the hiring practice at Chick-fil-A usually is months, if not years. And within a month, I was working there. And um, so I worked for Dan for eight years. And um, I connected with him the very first day I ever met him. And Amy can tell you, we have a very special relationship, very special friendship. He was a wonderful mentor to me and still is. And um, I mean... I always felt like one of my jobs for it was to just tell him truth because a lot of people, you know, would say what they think that they want that he wants them to say, but many times I would just go, Dan, you are just wearing no clothes on this. This is the emperor's new clothes. This is wrong, you know. And <laughs> and so and he still will listen, and I'm grateful for that. But at eight years into it, so he was getting ready to be made president, and it was Friday afternoon. I was sitting in his office, and he goes, Linda, I think it'd be great if you went to work in IT. You like IT. You love technology. I think it'd be great. Okay, out of the blue. Um, and so I'm sitting there. I started crying. I'm like, did somebody say something? Are you not happy? What 
what is this about? He goes, no, it is, this is you. This will be great. It'll be great. You'll have a blank piece of paper and you can just start a new job. Won't that be great? I am an introvert. I am a highly structured person. I was like, no, that is terrifying. I, I mean, I just, so I have to go home. He goes, it'll be great. Just go home. We'll talk on a Monday. And so I spent the whole weekend like this, my eyes wide open, staring at the wall, going, between crying jags and um so i went back on monday and um yeah i'm like what do i say what do i do and um so he goes go talk to hr he goes i've I've already just go talk to them and go talk to john who's president who's head of it so i go i'm like do they want me you know that's a big question do they care so i get over there and john's like Linda, he goes, we've had this job description that I've been trying to get a position funded for years. Read this. I think this is really you. So I took the job description. I read it. And um, it just in my heart, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is totally me. So sometimes circumstances, God arranges circumstances. And and he moves in your heart to show you this is the way walk in it. And so... um, so I moved to IT. Everybody in the company is thinking, what, Dan is getting rid of her? You know, so there's like, there's some great anxiety about that. A lot of your identity is tied up. And we used to call the offices up where the executive offices are a buckhead. So I'm like having to leave buckhead. And um, so, um, but it was such a blessing for me. And um just moving to that. So those are two ways, through scripture, through circumstance, and then, as Amy was saying, through the counsel and advice of godly people who can speak into your life. And it doesn't mean that what you think God is saying to you will come to pass. Many times you will say, I think God is leading me this way. You'll go and you might not get the job. So trust what God, the steps God shows you to take. Have faith. Don't doubt in the dark what God has shown you in the light. And, uh, and so that's what I would say in answer to that question. Anybody else? Anybody want to add anything to it? How do I, uh, this is for Tennyson, how do I trust God when my future is uncertain and I'm not sure if my dreams will come true? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't really want to. Um, I have found um, throughout most of my adult life that my dreams have changed a lot through the seasons. Um, I really didn't see myself um, getting married as a young woman. And when I did get married as a young woman, I didn't think that I would have kids as early in life as I did. And um, some people would say that I sacrificed my dreams for myself um, to have a family. And I would say that wasn't true because I think my, my dreams have always been um, kind of in flux as I have surrendered um, my life to the Lord. Um, so I think a lot of times um, I find peace from that anxiety um, as I have dreams for my children mostly now, I guess, is probably the biggest area of my life that I might dream about or and, and therefore I might get anxious about because I have no control over what happens to me or what happens to my children. Um, so I think I find um, 
peace and joy when I'm surrendered. And I think a lot of times God gives me certain dreams or certain desires to kind of lead me down paths that are going to lead me to other paths in order to accomplish um, his purpose, if that makes sense. So one of my favorite verses has um, always been Psalm 37. And I'm sure um, those of you who grew up in the church, it's probably familiar to you, but it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I mean, that's a happy verse, right? Everybody loves that verse, right? Because it sounds like God will give you whatever you want, right? Which sort of, kind of, but to me, what that verse really means is that as I surrender, that part of delighting in the Lord is that surrendering to him of my plans and my desires. And I've watched him change my desires and I've watched him lead me in my family through changing my desires or my husband's desires. And we've left, like when God has moved us a lot of when I've been moved, it's been mostly because God's moved my husband's job or my husband's career. Um, or when my kids have made a big move, like with school, we've left situations where there was a time that I thought, well, for instance, I'll give you for instance, we lived, um, before we moved to Atlanta seven years ago, we lived in Chattanooga. My husband grew up there. We went back there after he finished seminary. My family was there. His family was there. Um, we had four children there. And um, we were in a school that for my kids that I just thought, there's no way we could be in a better situation. I'm not even, I'm not leaving this school. I'll leave the grandparents, I'll leave the church, but I am not leaving this school. This school rocks, okay? This is how it was. I'm not kidding you guys. A year later, through circumstances at the school, I was like, this school doesn't rock. Maybe this isn't where we're supposed to be. And we started having this struggle with the school and Lo and behold, it was because God was moving, preparing me, preparing our heart, our hearts to move us to Atlanta to join him in something he was doing here. And I've just seen him. I could give you example after example of him changing my dreams and changing my desires. But the but there's those times when I just hold on and I hold on so hard and all I experience is stress and frustration. And it's when I open my hands and I say, God, I'll do what you want to do through me and through my family that I find his peace and my desires change. Uh, Amy, how do you show support for your husband? In particular, what wisdom can you share with wife whose husband leaves his job to start his own company? This is a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> and if I ever, if I had doubt about um, doing this when I saw this question, I knew that, that God was really just tapping on my shoulder saying, you know, there's some things that you need to share. Um, so like I said, my husband, Paul, and I have been married for 15 years. And I graduated a year before he did. We both went to University of Georgia and worked for a year while he was still in school trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And he played football at Georgia, and he's played football all of his life. And that's what he always wanted to do was either play football or be a football coach. So 
you know, I kind of knew what I was signing up for. And when he graduated, he signed um, with the Indianapolis Colts, and we moved to Indiana. And for the first three years of our marriage, we moved seven times. And we lived in hotels at the Philadelphia airport. Um, we rented everything uh, that that we needed because we got to the point where every Tuesday we didn't know if we would be living there, if we'd be going to St. Louis or to Cleveland or Philadelphia or wherever it would be. And it was a wonderful time uh, because we were newly married and we needed to both be away from our families to lean on each other, but it was a stressful time. And I didn't realize how stressful it was for him because he felt like he was not giving me the stability that that we needed. And so, you know, we lived kind of a tough three years. There were a lot of wonderful things about it. Um, I had the opportunity to be saved um, when we lived in Indiana and just a lot of a lot of wonderful things that happened. And we were kind of to the point where we're like, okay, what what is going to be next for us? You know, we'd love to have children. We'd love to settle down. And my husband was at training camp, and he called me, and he said, hey, I just want to let you know that if I get cut, I'm going to go start my own business. And I said, and what will you be doing? <laughs> and he said, well, I'm going to start a construction company. I've been reading this book, and I think it's going to be great. And I said, okay, that, that's great. Love you. You know, do your best, honey. You know. <laughs> And I got off the phone and I was like, God, please, come on, you know, don't do this to me. And, you know, God just takes you down paths that you never think you're going to go. And um, he was released from that team. And I remember meeting him, you know, off the plane. And, and he had this big smile on his face, like, welcome to the next chapter, honey. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. So, you know, we sat down and we talked. And I said, you know, about this whole business thing, I thought you wanted to be a football coach. You know, what happened to that? that that's really what I signed up for. You know, that's, that's all you know. You know, that's where we're comfortable. He, and, you know, he kept saying, that's going to. It's going to keep moving us. We're never going to be able to settle down and really start our lives. And, and you need to trust me. And we need to move back home. Um, we need to move to Noonan, Georgia. <laughs> and we need to be close to our family so I can start my construction company. And, but I'm not sure if that's exactly what I want to do, so I need to think about it for a little bit. So we moved back to Georgia. And I went back to work. And he thought about it for about a year and I remember coming home every day saying, hey, honey, did you uh, figure out what you wanted to do with your life today on the golf course or in the deer stand or wherever he happened to be? And he was planning and thinking and talking and making connections. And um, it was a tough, tough time because I felt like here I am going to work every day. And I don't know what you're doing. And this is, where is this going? And, you know, but I just decided, okay, you know, I'm just going to let, I'm going to let the Lord lead us here. But I mean, they were some dark times. I would be, you know, I would be lying if I said they weren't. Um, but God really, really showed himself through that and really connected him with the right people, um, the right situation to you know, start his own construction company. And I was fortunate to work for Chick-fil-A and I'm very comfortable in that corporate predictable environment. And he is very comfortable with lots of risk and not knowing what every day is going to be like. So 
you know, that, that's, that's how we were living. And, you know, he started a residential, um, construction company and things were really great. I mean, really, really great. Just cruising line right along. And then, um, you know, that the housing market crashed and we had really dark three years. Um, really tough, really tough. Um, because we just didn't know, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And, um, the whole time I'm just going, you know, God, what, what are you doing here? What are you trying to show us? Um, just fear of sharing that with other people, not knowing if our marriage was going to make it through it. Um, couples fight about money and that's, that's exactly what we argued about. And, you know, I would say, I'm praying about this and I'm getting this answer. And my husband would say, but I'm praying and that's not the answer I'm getting. And, you know, we were just, uh, it was tough. It was a huge wall between us. And, you know, Linda really helped me here because, um, you know, I'd come to work and I was kind of putting on this face that everything was really good and I'm happy and everything is great. And things were just sort of falling apart at home. And uh, she really helped me be honest with myself. And really just every time I would come to her with a problem, she would say, you know, have, have you taken that to the Lord? And, you know, what, what do you think the Lord is trying to say about that? And always brought it back to that and always gave me a word of encouragement for Paul when I was not tearing him down, but I was just frustrated, so frustrated. And she always brought it back to me like, you know, you really need to support him. He loves you. You know, y'all need to really pray about this together. And um, one day she really talked to me about that. And I went home to Paul and I said, you know, we're praying about this separately and we're getting different answers here. So I think we just need to pray about this together. And we started every night just bearing our hearts and just laying it out there. And I could be so honest and he could too. And, and we just thought, you know, we, we are in this together. And the only, the only thing that can save this is the Lord. And, uh, through lots of different circumstances, some that were very, very tough, um, brought us through it. And, so happy to be on the other side of it wouldn't change it um, because it taught us a lot about each other and that you have to put the Lord first and he is the only one that can bring you through those circumstances like I said I wouldn't change it but I don't want to do it again (laughs) I don't want to do it again but um, that's why it's so important uh, to just keep him the center just to keep him the center um, because it's easy to let finances and friends and fear and all of those things sway you. So mm. this will be our last question. Um, this is for me. What are ways you get out of <clears throat> ways you get out of spiritually slow seasons, either in prayer or in the word? Well, the first thing I want to say is, you know, that verse in the Bible in this world, you will have trouble in this spiritual life you have you will have dry seasons. There is nothing wrong with you. Don't let Satan tell you that your faith is failing or maybe you're not saved. I mean, people get all these thoughts, especially in their 20s and 30s. It seems, I think Satan's such a bully. And I think when you drift away from the dock of your parents' uh, control of your life and you're kind of establishing your own anchors and your own islands, 
That's when Satan says, okay, they're in this transitional period. This is a good time. They're vulnerable. I'm going to give them a lot of doubts. And I find that to happen a lot to people in your age group. So just don't listen to that. That's a, that's a lie, and you know who it's from. Uh, I will say also that um, this, my dad took us on a vacation to Florida one time, and we were teenagers, and um, we wanted to stay on the beach all day long. And it was overcast. It was very cloudy. And he said, you can burn just as much on a cloudy day than on a sunny well, Oh, no, it's nice and cool out here. We're fine. We were in so much pain. We could barely walk across the room at the end of the day. Your God and your relationship with him is like that. There will be days that he's obscured. There will be seasons when you can't see him. He's just as powerful. He's just as much there. If you have no emotional experience, if you aren't getting any messages from him when you're praying for direction about where to go to grad school or whatever you're praying and you're not getting an answer, he is right there. He is doing something. You Just like when he parted the Red Sea overnight, sometimes you can't see it because there's darkness around it, there are clouds around it. But he's at work, and you just, you know, you have to be my age, 65, before you know for sure that he's still at work, because you, you just don't always sense that he is. And so uh, one of the things that, that I would, and I'll tell you the person I learned this from, um, Sandra Robinson is, is the person who taught me how to pray. And Sandra Robinson went to this church, but she went when she was the person praying when I was saved. And she prayed over me. And she, there were, you know, probably 200 people in the room. But she would also go, if anyone wanted her to do, to a little church north of Blairsville where you had to get on a dirt road, a church of 50 people, if there were four women there who wanted to learn how to pray. She would go there week after week and teach them to pray. She's just the most incredible woman. Started her life out, uh, her professional life out as a missionary. But, and she really heard from the Lord. You talk about somebody that had a great relationship with the Lord. She did. But in her 60s, she had a dry spell. And it lasted three years. And you sometimes will find that uh, people that the Lord knows He can trust you with a lot, he, they'll go through these long dry spells and in a way it's almost a badge of honor because he knows you're past the point that you need a constant emotional experience that he, you know his character you know the word of God you can go back to that and so you don't as much need that emotional experience all the time but what really taught me a lesson about Sandra was, uh, after she came out of that, she had a lovely time with the Lord, but very quickly after that, she got terminal cancer. When Sandra was dying in the last few weeks of her life, and she wasn't conscious, she wasn't aware of any of us around her for those four weeks, she, you could see Sandra praising the Lord. And the light on her face, and there was no doubt about it, it was she was enjoying her praise, and it was just the Lord and her, and she was not having a dry spell. It was just incredible. So uh, that's the longest dry spell that I've, I was glad I got this question because I had witnessed a really long dry spell. Now as far as solutions go, for me, the number one is praise, 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 when you do not feel like it. And you, I can't sing, but I will put on, you know, my oldie goldies, uh, shout to the Lord CD, you know, and I, yes, I still use CDs. And I mean, I will just sing in my car at the top of my lungs and I will set aside time 
time to praise with the Lord. Sometimes I'll go to a 9 o'clock service, and then I'll stay after for the praise also the second time at the 1030 service. And those are the days when I don't want to come to church. I'll be honest with you. But I do the praise twice. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but that's the very, very time that you should be praising. And the other one I learned from Dr. Youssef, he's preached on this many times, is that you bring to remembrance the things that God has done for you. And when you go back and you relive all the things he's done for you, it helps bring you out of that dry spell a little bit better. So thank you very much.